0: things we were just kind of talking about before previously and we we've alluded to here and there but if if any of you are playing magic and are not as lucky to just have someone dump an entire collection on you or Mm -hmm. you know being able to play with your friend's cards you understand that this can be expensive just as a game in general it can be expensive especially when you have you know commander decks going for like 90 dollars retail right now Yep. but that's just the cards right mm-hmm. there there's so much more that goes into magic than that and if anyone here's ever looked at any of Nate's other videos you'd <laughs> understand that there's a lot of other products too oh
1: yeah it can get super overwhelming it's interesting to me to see how they' they've tried to handle this over the years because wizards is is I almost this is gonna sound weird but I almost feel bad for them in some ways because they're a little bit caught in this catch 22. Whenever they put out a starter product, it's the community almost universally rejects it because it's a starter product. I don't need a starter product. I, I know how to play. And it's got crappy cards. Why would I ever buy that? So so they they're not they're almost not incentivized to 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 make products for beginners. Like they do, they have the starter decks and I and I think that that's a good thing that they we're doing i think though they should go back to the old way was it used to be you could walk into an lgs and say hey i'm interested in magic i don't have any cards where do i begin and if you had a good local game store that was connected to wizards and and they had good folks there they would pull out a starter deck of of your favorite color they, they had a couple options and they'd hand it to you and say here you go free of charge go play and they discontinued that about, I don't know, about five years ago. And I really wish they hadn't because I think that was a great way to get beginners in because it was free. First one's free, baby. You know?
0: I never even heard of that program.
1: Oh, yeah. That program was was for years. It was for a long time. In fact, you can find some old professor videos where he talks about it and how he praises it and says it's great. And then Wizards nuked it. And, it, you know, and I think part of the reason they nuked it is because it didn't happen very often. Like people didn't come in very often to do it. But I still think like I think they should have kept with it because now you have, you know, Lord of the Rings fans coming in going, okay, well, I'll buy a starter deck if that you could find any available because there's cards in them that, you know, people want to get. So collectors have been buying them up. Or their alternative to buy a, a full deck is a ninety plus dollar commander deck or a sixty plus dollar commander deck. I think is a mistake. I think they should go back to those free deck the free deck program program.
0: It doesn't even have to be that fully or necessarily. I mean, it's interesting with the arena half of the equation where you do get to at least keep the decks you did the tutorial with and i think they usually give you another one for free right mm-hmm. and that that doesn't cost them anything yeah like and that, that's the part where at least on the digital side i think they need to be doing more of mm-hmm. is give you that that little bit of a drip to say hey here's something come back right and i know they usually do the login bonuses and like that was a the thing they were they've been doing on there too mm-hmm. i don't log in enough to get them the the point is at least that's a thing yeah. right i mean moto doesn't have that at all moto yeah. is dump your money into digital currency and buy cards from online retailers that aren't them and then go mm-hmm. play your deck <laughs> yeah yeah but i think there's another problem here while we're talking about these is the fact that if you want to start playing there's so many different ways to start that there's not a very consistent hey this is how you should go about it as a new player yeah right and the just finding the the magic the gathering online moto to play that mm-hmm. was not easy <laughs> yeah
1: i think if wizards if you ask wizards what what they want what they want a new player brand new person doesn't know anything about magic but is interested in getting started how should they get into magic they're going to have two answers the The first answer is going to be Arena. Just go to Arena. Just download Arena. Go through the Sparky, you know, um, main thing. That's the way you should do it. And the other and the other answer will be starter decks, like the ones they did for Lord of the Rings, the ones they had before that. Great. Those those are going to be the answers, in my opinion. Those are imperfect answers because not everybody wants to do Arena. They want to play this as a card game. They don't want to download something on their phone or their tablet right and the starter decks you've got the the, like especially with the lord of the rings one you have an availability problem um for the regular ones the the non-lord of the rings ones that's okay you know i I guess that's as good as you're gonna get but yeah but that's i think that's what wizards would answer is those two and i don't think those are great answers
0: to be fair that those tend to be the answers people give on reddit as well most Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. And the arena is really good at helping you remember how to play the game. Yeah. But the, the downside there is it does too much for you, especially if you're a newbie and you need to learn why it does what it does. Yeah, because the the automation of not having to actually read your opponent's cards if you don't care to not having to think about what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Not having to figure out what triggers you have on the board. Exactly. We've seen with any of our gameplay footage that sometimes we forget (laughs) things. But no, it's I I think that's where arena lacks. Right. But Mm -hmm. it was it was good for me when I came back into the game because I just got to sit there, go through the tutorial and go, yeah, that that's how this works. It's, you know, this is the phase order this is that and you start remembering things it's not good at getting you a taste of the weird and the realistic magic yeah that's where i think moving on to like the the other bit with the starter decks you you need a mentor you need yeah. at least one person if not a couple to help you learn how to play and like not just curb stomp you or noob stomp you or whatever Mm -hmm. it is into oblivion and not make you want to play the game again yeah help you learn it a bit and then let you let you learn yeah (laughs) really you just play the magic like i remember teaching someone and we did the you know hands out where you can like look at their hand and say hey okay this is what the board state looks like you have this this like what are you thinking what's Mm -hmm. a good option like do I have blockers? Can you get an attack through? Right. Like those kinds of conversations to say, do you need a defender? Right. Uh-huh. Very basic magic.
1: Yeah. There, there isn't a perfect solution. I think like, I, well, I think actually the perfect solution is a friend who's been playing magic for a really long time, has a massive collection hands you a, hand you a box of bulk and says, here, these are yours. Let's, you know, here's a deck that I made. Let's, let's play some games. And you know, like I think that's a perfect solution, but not everybody has that obviously. Right. Um, there isn't a perfect solution to scale. I guess is is what I should say.
0: But I, I think the the fact when we were talking about too with like the cost of these decks and like even the the game nights thing that they put out twice now the the bundle where it's the five different de- little decks uh-huh. that are supposed to be balanced and they they aren't. Um, <laughs> those that that's a that's a great way to do like a a non super competitive version with people who are semi familiar but you can teach people with it Mm -hmm. and then it's the same thing like i think the next step up from that i would say is like the jumpstart packs that they've been putting out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are great to do you know, grab two and you just make a deck and you you don't have any super understanding of like how to like like ultimately play that deck in the meta and it's like okay no like i got dinosaurs and vampires okay we're gonna do this right Uh
1: (laughs) yeah Well that's the thing. Like I, I think I think jumpstart is actually a fantastic way. That that is probably to me the closest to a perfect solution as magic can get. You've got bar- you've got two different types of barriers to entry. You've got the cost, which is what we've been mostly talking about, but there's another barrier. And this is like another example of a cheap way to get into magic or to get started in magic is draft. Draft is a fantastic way to get into magic. The problem with draft is Is You you have to know how to play the game, and then you've got a whole other layer of deck building, which is a whole other thing that you need to be somewhat aware of to even remotely do well in draft. So that's the other barrier to entry. The other barrier to entry is the complication of the game. And while draft does well in the cost quadrant, or I guess half, it doesn't do well in the complicated side whereas jumpstart in my opinion straddles that line almost perfectly because it's it's fairly cheap you just buy two packs per person and then sleeve them up smash them together and go at it i think it's an it's an excellent solution
0: well the the big thing with the draft that like i run into a problem with right is it's not just the deck building but there's the meta and everything else that goes into like okay what what are people trying to build and then that psychology of like what what potentially is missing from this pack that got passed to me, right? Yeah, like what yeah. colors am I seeing? What colors am I not? Right. Like there, there's a whole different play style and that's, I would, I would honestly call draft like intermediate play. If you want to even get middle of the pack. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. The with jumpstart it's different. And I think that that plays into your whole cuba magic thing too. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it, as long as you know what cards came in, what pack you can build these little, cube packs and mm-hmm. host your own mini draft night where you guys randomly pick two packs out of the lot and then anyone can just play and the the great thing there is like it's not going to be balanced but it's more balanced than someone buying a starter deck and going against someone's green tron deck for modern mm-hmm.
1: oh yeah and, and, and <laughs> if
0: people don't know i'm referencing nate's favorite deck right now. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the the experience i do have that was it was pretty good too and it's it's not quite draft level, but you can catch these events when new sets come out, and that's the pre-release, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where you get your packs, and you just build from those packs. right? You don't have to worry about what card to grab, what card's going to get past you. You you know what you have to work with, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a step before draft, uh-huh. where the meta still matters, but you, you have what you have, right? Yeah. Um, because I, I did the, the pre-release for Avicen uh-huh. back when um <laughs> that's the only one i ever went to but like I, it, it still went decently well right because it's the same draft chaff like whatever mm-hmm. i ended up building a simic deck that relied on a flyer because almost no one had any flying right mm-hmm. and that's kind of like you know getting into the strategies too right like what's trash normally yeah and what's what's actually good when you're playing in a, a very restricted format the other thing that goes in that you you've you mentioned it before getting into all these other costs of things and you know new players coming in. How long was it before you sleeved your deck?
1: It's, it's actually funny you mention this. I sleeved pretty early because I'm a big fan of protection. I, yeah, I, I, I did sleeve my decks fairly early in in the run of it because I've always been a collector first. But it's funny you mention that because I was just, and I was talking to you on, on the chat uh, this past week about my dash deck. I have a, I have a deck that's okay. built all around the mechanic of dash. And I haven't touched it since after I built it just after Dragons of Tarkir. Like, I built it back then, and I've barely touched it since. I've maybe added a couple cards to it. And I was tweaking it. I was, you know, upgrading it. And I realized that I didn't double-sleeve it. So I built it at a time when I hadn't started double-sleeving my cards yet. So I realized, like, oh, that's interesting. So, like, it, it was kind of like a little bit of a time capsule in my collection of like when I started double sleeving, which was sometime after Dragons of Tarkir.
0: So I just thought that was funny. Probably gonna upset people here, but I don't double sleeve and I don't believe in it. So, oh my goodness, <laughs> I, My stuff doesn't go in the elements, you know. Like, I, I, I'm a lot more paranoid about like where my cards are, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I mostly sleeve because it's easier to shuffle be honest yeah. mm-hmm. um and that also if it's a double face card i don't have to worry about getting the proxy in there and all that other stuff mm-hmm. right but like i'm not the kind of person who plays with an open can of mountain dew on the table uh, yeah right and like my hands are washed and cleaned in the first place and i'm not putting my cards in the sink yeah like <laughs> yeah. you know like they're they go in deck boxes <laughs> um and like you know i have my play mat here right which is a whole nother thing too like you know, how long was it before you started using a play mat? It's like, I used sleeves before I used a play mat.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I used sleeves before I used a play mat. I double-sleeved before I used a play mat. And then eventually, really, the the reason I got a play mat, I probably got a play mat earlier than I would have otherwise, uh, because where where I usually would play was at my buddy Eric's house, and we would always play out on his porch, on his um he he has one of those um metal tables with the like the small grating on it Mm -hmm. and and after a while i just kind of got sick of my cards being you know like i'd come home and i'd find little metal flakes on the back of my sleeves and i was like all right i'm tired of this shit you know (laughs) so i started i went out and i bought a um i was actually at an event and i bought a play mat and then i just started using that and then 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 now i have a drawer full of them over here
0: (laughs) yeah because like even then like for my case and i have I think I was counting before the show and not counting the one Pokemon playmat I have. I have nine of these. Oh, jeez! <laughs> but like in this case, so like even the one I'm here touching, like I, I had this custom printed because I like the artwork on it, right? And mm-hmm. then like a lot of the other ones are like artworks I liked or like not traditional style playmats. I have one of the Damnation artwork. I have one from the Inquisition of Kozolik, mm-hmm. uh alternate art that came with the Strixhaven. Uh-huh. Like, those, those things, like, they look awesome. That like, the jeweled one I was using the other day. But the, the thing is, like, and th- this is one of those things I would... <laughs> sleeves and playmats are things, if you're going to be any serious about it at all, you want to get. Playmats have two major benefits to them. The first being that your cards aren't going on whatever's on the table, right? And unfortunately, when you roll your playmat, it's going to get on it, so you got to make sure that it's cleaned and whatever beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. To see that Emercal playmat you toss down there.
1: Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> uh, and that right there is Mark Tadine's uh, signature. This was actually my first playmat. I bought this at a, a Grand Prix um, for the for the listeners. I, I have an Emercool Aeons Torn. Playmat signed by Mark Tadine. It's 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 my weirdest playmat too because it's the only one that has it it isn't the aspect ratio on it wasn't perfect for a playmat. Mm. So like the 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 left or yeah, the, or the right section of it has this weird black border thing, which is kind of odd,
0: but anyway. which is great for your deck and your graveyard. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, no, so like that's something to keep in mind and in general you're wanna take a look at the this, of wherever you're playing magic. because... Mm hopefully the people at the game stores and whatever don't do too much on the table, but you know, quick wipe down, clean your table, you know, Mm -hmm. don't have Cheetos or Doritos out and don't let, you know, people spill their drinks near you. That's Mm -hmm. kind of just, you know, common courtesy. If you're going to have an open top drink, put it to the side. But the other thing to keep in mind though, is it gives you a nice defined space, right? That's huge. When you're playing games on tables with people, right? You don't want them going. And like you're, you're, you know, enchantment up in your top left corner ends up in someone else's deck because you were too close to them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like, like all of these things, a lot of gamers would consider necessary to the game, but in reality, they aren't like, nah. for example, like we talk, we talk about sleeves, like in my opinion, single, single sleeve is the minimum, like a single sleeve, no playmat, no double sleeve, no deck box, really. Like I often talk about, especially if you're playing in a sixty card format, just dragon Shield. just a, just a dragon shield box can hold a single sleeve deck. Um, if you're doing commander, then buy one of those cheap game janic ones for three bucks. And that's really all I would consider necessary. Yeah, you got that on your table there. Um that's what I would consider <laughs> necessary. <laughs> you know um,
0: And even then, like it's one or the other, I would say because like depending on your play environment and what's going on, You might not need sleeves, but don't rubber band your cards, please. I've seen it. I've done it in the past. I used to do that with my Pokemon decks, Uh right? And my Yu-Gi-Oh! back in that day. But, like, that's one of the worst things you can do, especially if you ever actually want to keep playing the game or have anything retain any value for when you die and your kids sell your collection.
1: Well, yeah, and that's... Well, see, that's the thing. and See, this is why I... I was I sleeved early. I double sleeve. You know, I I mostly double sleeve my decks. I use play mats. I have more robust deck boxes, really because I want them to retain value. Like I I want the value as mm-hmm. much value to be retained in my collection as possible. Not because I have some massive collection that's worth something, but because I enjoy having a collection that is worth something. You know, that's that's part of the enjoyment I get out of the game. So I want to make sure it maintains that. But again, that's not necessary if all you want to do is just sit down and sling spells.
0: It, well, the, the thing to consider there, right, is sleeves are really good at making it to where you don't have to have mint condition everything mm-hmm. as well. Right. So if you're trying to play magic on a budget. Oh, yeah. And you go that's to true. like TCG or whatever, and you're buying, you know, moderately played cards. Mm-hmm. Some of those things have very noticeable markings on them. Yep. Um. I'm I'm looking through the deck here to see if I can find any of mine. But like, uh, I mean, there I I usually don't because it's usually like a couple penny difference depending mm-hmm. on the value of the card. But kind of just as a rule of thumb, like you you want to make sure people can't say you're cheating by having marked cards. Oh yeah, yeah. So these are just good at making it consistent at least. Mm-hmm. Um. That and it, it's. You know, it's kind of your your little bling to your deck, right? Unfortunately, I have decks that cost less than the sleeves did.
1: (laughs) I love, like you mentioned, and that's actually a very interesting point to make for the barrier to entry and cost. If, you know, anyone listening who will be near a Command Fest anytime soon, go to the Command Fest, wherever it is. It's free to get in. Don't let them. At least this year, it was. Hopefully, next year they keep it free. They will sell you a badge, um, and uh, if you want, if you want to play in the command zone, but just stop by, and usually Star City Games will be there, or whoever's running the event will be there with their their booth. Go to what I call the scratch and dent section, and it's essentially the heavily played, the moderate and heavily played, sometimes damaged cards that are typically very expensive i was able to get uh, like i was able to get a couple of nycthos shrine to nyx i was able to get a couple of uh, old school birds of paradise a ton of cards for a fraction of the cost yeah it's it, it was it blew my mind like how much i was able to get so like go check out scratch and dent you know especially if you have a really big like, uh, a retailer, like, if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to live in, like, the Pacific Northwest and you're close enough to go to Mox Boarding House, which is the physical locations for Card Kingdom, or if you're near Cool Stuff, Inc. down in Florida, or if, hell, if you're near Roanoke down here in Virginia, run over to Star City Games.
0: That's an interesting thing, because, like, at the same point, like, I remember reading about people talking about hanging around on draft night and grab the draft chaff. people don't take home. Oh, yeah but that's another way to get cards too. If you want free cards in your collection, cause a lot of people there just go to play. They take the, the ones that are worth money and they don't care about the rest. Oh yeah. The, the other thing that's interesting and it's on the, the other flip side of this is proxies mm-hmm. and there, there's a whole process that goes into it and people have different opinions on them. Right. Um, but I, j- I just made my own proxy deck for just a, for fun. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not good. um it's not competitive at all i don't want to worry about going to tournaments because i'm not doing that right as long as the people you're playing with are okay with the the deck the quality in my case i proxied everything so it's gonna be consistent thickness regardless when it's sleeved Mm -hmm. and the quality for the place i went through has been pretty good anyways um so it it's just one of those things to consider too. Oh yeah. Like if you're if you're wanting to get into that CDH table that your buddies play and you know they curb stomp you every time you show up with your favorite little deck that's just never going to get there, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be two thousand dollars later just to play a game.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Like, and I even I even would go so far. If you've got a printer, if you still have a printer kicking around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Seriously, (laughs) those things aren't very reliable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like you know, admittedly, you know, you 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 do have to uh, accept a little bit of a quality loss of what it looks like. But I'll tell you, uh, what I used to do with proxies is I would take lands that I wasn't using, and I would print out the proxies to about the size of. of the card, and then I would just cut them out and slide them into the sleeve with the land, and and it worked perfect. And and I was never able to tell... You know, and I, and I would have proxies in with real cards, and I was able never able to tell the difference uh, of what was going to be a proxy and what was going to be a real card. It's off the top of my deck, or I couldn't cut to any card reliably, so it worked out fine for me. So that's definitely a way that you can you can go about it.
0: Right? Yeah, definitely. And the it reminds me of some of the interesting and funny proxies I've seen because, like, a lot of times you'll see people right on like a basic force or basic planes and like just Sharpie on the name of something. Right. Yeah. As long as it's legible and you can do it in your play group and people are okay with it. That's fine. But mm-hmm. I've seen the joke versions the other way mm-hmm. where it's like a $600 card yeah. that's been like proxied into a planes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that, those are not actual, like those are, you know, proxies you can get printed just for the humor. And that's what I love about like a lot of these proxies is it's, you can get artwork and things like that, that are not, magic printed but you know can fit the play style you're going for right like i've talked to you before about this previously but like i i bought a you know a set of like fallout lands before the fallout secret layer or whatever universe uh-huh. is beyond thing they're doing got like talked about like i just love the style and i love the game right but it's it's interesting when you're coming back because like that that's a further in you're you've been playing the game a bit and you want to play more but not necessarily use the the wallet expense to get there right yeah, yeah. and I, I think proxies are great for what you were talking about with like play testing especially if it's you know a 20 dollar card and it's like does it even do what i want it to do let's let's try it before i buy it right? yeah
1: i am a huge huge proponent of proxies for testing because you know it like i think it's ridiculous to to expect someone to go out and buy the cards when when they can just you know get a sharpie and some and hell some infinite tokens I know um some people they'll buy right. they'll buy packs of Infinito tokens and then they'll just and, and it's just like play test cards like they do at wizards like you know um that obviously wizards is oh, they they go they go a little bit further than sharpies on cards but um <laughs> but I I think that that's pr- excellent for play testing and 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 I think that's for for like you said it, it's it's not necessarily a barrier to entry, but like it's, it's not, I shouldn't say a barrier to entry. It's not necessarily for a new player, but there definitely are new players out there who maybe they're, they're Pokemon players and they, and they already are kind of already in the, the TCG player ecosystem, yeah. like the, the game right. gaming ecosystem. So for them, that's not much, that's not a big leap to go there and do that. Whereas with, um, you know, with magic and such, you know, these are all great options i think
0: i think circling back really what it comes down to when you're talking about playing magic is you know you want to have the buddy to play you can you can find an lgs people typically will want to teach you uh, just find that person who's a bit more patient and willing to explain things right mm-hmm. and the the bare minimums for when you're playing and it's not things you need day one right like you can get those jumpstart packs. You can get the starter decks and ask a buddy to explain the game to you. Starter deck, the dual decks are great for teaching somebody because you're semi close on power level. Uh huh. yep. And that that's like always a big problem when you want to just play against a buddy and he hands you a deck that you don't know how to run. And he's going to stomp you so hard yeah. because his deck is tuned. And if mm-hmm. you're not running it right, you're not going to win. It's just the way yeah. it is. Right. Um, but beyond that, like we, we talked about, you know, sleeve costs and play mat costs and, you know, dice and dice are things like if you play D&D, you'll have a D20 set. You can use those. Get a thing of D6s if you need them. Just keep in mind, if you're, if you're trying to save money, don't play massive tokens or counter decks to start with, because mm-hmm. you're going to need dice. You're going to need tokens. You're going to need all the supplementary stuff to go with it, because one thing you don't want to do is show up to play and not have the tokens to accurately show what you're doing with your deck
1: yeah yeah but at the same time and see this is something that i do i always make sure i have extra so that way when i'm playing a new player and they go oh geez i don't have any dice i can just say oh here use mine you know well um that's that's just that's just a t- tip for us us uh veteran players out there
0: <laughs> the other thing too is if you're if you're playing a deck that does things to your opponent and does tokens there, make sure you have copies of those. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the very least
1: infinite tokens to, to write, right. Write
0: it out. You know, right. I mean, those are great for a lot of the stuff. And like, especially where I, I'm not going to go dig through my token pile to look up one elemental. That's Mm -hmm. a specific elemental because they're not all the same. Right. Uh Yeah. Yeah, it gives you options, right? Like, you know, the last game we, we were playing, I was using the little notation things and just moving them from token to token to say, hey, this is my incubator. Now this is my Phyrexian, yep. right? Yep. And you don't have to worry about the die rolling or reading the die or saying, okay, well, this die means how many I have and this die is how many plus one plus ones it has.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: We, had, we, we touched on a few other things here that we really do want to get into. Um, but that's going to be a whole nother episode of this barrier oh, yeah. entry where we can talk about LGSs and a lot more of the, the politics that go into this. Um, and then again, like maybe a bit more discussion on gear and again, check out the videos Nate's done. There's a lot of non magic products that can be used for magic other than sleeves to be yeah. fair. Um, I would, yeah. I would stick to the sleeves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just as a rule of thumb, I've learned the hard way. Make sure you buy the right size. The Japanese sleeves are too small. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I've, I almost made that mistake myself. <laughs>
0: I have, I have where it's, you grab the box cause it's like the right color and everything. And then it's like, uh, oh, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> you're like, you pull it out. You're like, wait, this doesn't quite. <laughs>
0: right. Not a problem you think you would have, but you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the cards have a specific size, uh, And don't just go based off a brand like I did, right? Just because it's Dragon Shield or whatever uh, doesn't mean it's correct. Read the box first. Exactly, exactly.
1: And that about does it for today's discussion on Beyond the Deck Box, where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. You can find us each week on the YouTube channel FDSMTG, or you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts just look for Beyond the Deck Box. You can find DM Dingo on Twitch, or you can find him on the FDS MTG Discord, link in the description. You can find me, FDS MTG, on YouTube, or at FDS underscore MTG on threads, or on Mastodon, kind.social. Thank you so much for tuning in, and you all have a wonderful day.